Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for as an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Please be seated. Please keep your Bibles turned to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. I'd like to echo Billy's welcome. We welcome everyone to the building today and especially welcome to our online audience. We appreciate you taking part in service today. Got a question for you. How many recognize this picture? You know what that is. Okay, I see a few hands going up. Now, how many have ever had to use one of those uh, houses? Okay, you are the real country guys. Okay, that's me too. Uh, I've had to use one of those uh, growing up on the farm. Now, the story is told about a young man growing up in the Great Smoky Mountains. He didn't like his family's outhouse. He thought it was too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter, and furthermore, he just didn't like the smell. Now, in school, his teacher was teaching him about uh, different simple tools, one being a lever and a fulcrum. And that young man got an idea. You see, their outhouse was on the bank of the river that was behind their house. And he got an idea that he could move a rock next to the outhouse and then he could take a two-by-four plank and he might be able to topple that outhouse into the river. So one night, he did exactly that. He went out to the outhouse. He had his big two-by-four plank with him. He put one end of that plank underneath the outhouse. He got on the other end of that plank and he just pulled as hard as he could pull. And lo and behold, it toppled into the river. Later that night, his father came to his room, knocked on the door. The son said, enter. The father said, um, son, you pushed our outhouse into the river, didn't you? It was you. Little boy kind of looked down. He said, Dad, it was. It was me. But now I've read a story about George Washington. And George Washington chopped down the cherry tree. And because he was honest with his dad, he didn't get into any trouble. The father said, well, that's true. But there's a difference. George Washington's father was not in the cherry tree when he chopped it down. Okay, now, uh, raising children, raising children is hard. Children don't come with a manual. We don't know exactly sometimes what to do and how to do it as parents. And especially, how do we pass on the baton of faith to the next generation? 
Uh, we're concerned about that. We want our children to remain faithful. We want them to be faithful as adults. But how do we do that? You see, there is no surefire, guaranteed, step-by-step -step plan. As I have shared before, I, I know a family that had identical twin sons. Today, one son is a very faithful leader in God's church, and, and the other son has been in and out of, of jail and prison more times than I can count. You see, there's other factors that play here. The, uh, who they marry, uh, where they end up living, uh, the job they have. Uh, all those other factors play a part. But, as a parent, as a parent, you can create an atmosphere, a context, where your children and grandchildren are more likely to make your faith their own faith. So how? How do we create that atmosphere? Let's turn to the Bible for the answer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, you're going to see that phrase pop up here often in chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the, the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. His only son. Now, in fact, if you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament... Back in Genesis, we call that the Septuagint. This phrase, only son, is the same word in Greek that's used in John 3.16 to talk about Jesus being God's only begotten son. Was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, shall your offspring be named for just a moment. For just a moment, put yourself in Abraham's sandals. It's Genesis chapter 22. And God says to Abraham, I want you to travel to the land of Moriah and I want you to offer up your son, your only son, as a sacrifice to me. Do you think Abraham went to sleep that night easy? Do you think that it didn't weigh on his mind? Do you think that he tossed and turned with what was going to happen beginning the next day? You know, if it had been me, Billy had been me, I would have probably dragged my feet. I hate to say that, but I probably would you know, I would say, well, you know, God, you said leave the next day. Well, I'll just wait a few hours. I'll leave at the very last minute. But that wasn't Abraham. It says that he got up and early in the morning, he saddled his donkey. He called two of his servants. And he himself went out and cut the wood that was going to be required for the sacrifice. Can you imagine cutting that wood and you're thinking each piece could be the piece that, that is used on that fire. 
Think about that. And think about the journey. It took them three days to reach the mountain. Don't you know Abraham was, was thinking, I thought Isaac was, was going to be it. I don't understand. I've, I just got to have faith. But see, Abraham did have faith. And Isadav, they traveled up to the top of the mountain. They leave the servants behind. Isaac asked, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, where's the lamb? Abraham says, God will provide. In fact, Abraham, being a good father, Abraham was the one carrying the knife and the fire. Because, you know, that's a little dangerous, so you carry that yourself. You protect your child. And then, as he laid him on the altar and got ready to, to, to plunge the knife into him, the angel of the Lord calls out, Abraham, Abraham. And he stops. The same word used in John 3.16 is that same word used back in Genesis. God did not spare His Son. His Son, Jesus, went to the cross and died on the cross. But He did spare Abraham's son because He was testing Abraham. And Abraham passed the test. How could He do that? How could He pass the test? The answer is found in the very next verse. Verse 19. He considered that God was able, circle that word able, was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. See, in, in Abraham's mind, in Abraham's mind, Isaac was good as dead. So in a way, he did receive him back from the symbolic death. On that altar, you, you see, Abraham was able to do that. Abraham was able to do that because he offered his son to the Lord first. Because he believed God's promises. He believed God's promises by faith. He did that. Do you and I believe? Do, we, do you and I have that, that kind of faith? By faith, Abraham gave his son to the Lord. If you want to create that atmosphere, that atmosphere that will help your children grow their faith and become strong in the faith, you must do the same thing. By faith, give your children and grandchildren to the Lord. Offer your sons and daughters completely to God. Now, I'm not telling you to, to put them on the altar and get ready to, to sacrifice them. I'm not saying that. You give them to the Lord by giving up control to God. Letting God have His way with them by how? By modeling Christianity daily in front of them. Modeling Christianity daily. Did you catch that? This is especially true if your children have already departed from the faith. At the age of 19, 
One son of a preacher walked away from his faith. He walked away from his parents. He walked away from God. Now, the good news is in five years when he was 24, he came back to his parents. And more importantly, he came back to God. But based on his five years of wandering from God, based on his experience as a wayward child, he offers the following advice to mothers and fathers of wayward children. Now, it's a little bit lengthy, but I think it's important that I read and share all of this with you. These are his words. Don't expect them to be Christ-like. If your son is not a faithful Christian, he won't act like one. And it is hypocrisy to even expect him to. His most dangerous problem is unbelief, not parting. No matter how your child's behavior proves his unbelief, always be sure to focus on your child's heart sickness rather than the symptoms. Welcome them home. If he has any inkling to be with you, don't make it hard for him. Now, there will be times, uh, instances where parents must give ultimatums. Don't come to this house if you are blank and you fill in the blank. But these will be rare. In most cases, if your daughter stinks like weed, spray her jacket with Febreze and change the sheets when she leaves, but let her come home if you find out that she's pregnant, take her to her doctor's visits, protect her from folks like Planned Parenthood, and by all means, let her come home. If your son is broke because he spent all the money that you gave him on loose women and liquor, forgive his debts as you have been forgiven. Don't give him any more money. Let me emphasize that. Don't give him any more money. But let him come home. If he hasn't been around for a week and a half because he's been staying at his girlfriend's apartment, urge him not to go back there and let him come home. Point them to Christ. Your child's real problem is not drugs or sex or cigarettes or porn or crime, your child's real problem is that your child doesn't see Jesus clearly. Let them see Jesus in you, in your actions. If you will allow it, Jesus will replace the money, the praise of man, the high, the sex, that they're staking their eternities on right now, only His grace can draw them from their pursuits and bind them safely to Him. Stop trying to control and manipulate your adult children. Turn them completely over to the Lord. Let Jesus pursue them. Have enough faith to give your children fully to to the Lord without trying to interfere with what He, Jesus, is doing in their lives. You keep on modeling Jesus.
in front of them. Keep on modeling Jesus in front of them. Throughout the lives of our children, we have to constantly turn them over to the Lord. When they start school, when they learn to drive, when they leave home, when they go and start their careers, and yes, even when they make bad choices. When we're tempted to step in and interfere, we have to relinquish control back over to the Lord. Being a parent takes a lot of faith, no matter how old your children might be. But if you pass, if you want to pass that baton of faith to your children, you must trust the Lord enough to give them to Him by faith. Give your children to the Lord. Then, number two, by faith. Bless your children with God's promise for their future. Encourage your, your sons and daughters with a vision of what God has planned for them. Inspire your children with the assurance of God's wonderful plan for their lives. You know, that's exactly, that's exactly what the founders of the Hebrew nation did. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, do you see the point the writer is trying to get across to you? By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph all believed in God's promise for their descendants. That's why they could bless their children with a vision, with a glorious vision of a future, even though they were in difficult times. Think about Isaac. Isaac was still a stranger in the land that God had given his family. Jacob and Joseph lay dying in Egypt, far away from the promised land. And yet their faith... Their faith in God's promise assured them of God's good plan for their children. And by faith, you and I can do the same. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For all, not some, for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. We're talking about the promise of God's presence. The promise of God's provision, the promise of God's power are all available, all available to every believer in Christ. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, And we know, it's not we guess, it's not we hope, 
It's not what we think. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. So friends, live the promise daily in front of your children. Bless them with your confidence in God's wonderful plan. Talk God up. Be positive. Be positive about God, about God's church, and, and, and certainly about the Christian life. In 2007, a study was done regarding teenagers. One of the questions on that study was this. How do you see God being portrayed in your home? What kind of image do you see God being portrayed in your home? A sum of 71%, that's more than two-thirds, a sum of 71% said that their image of God in their home was either somewhat negative or negative. Over two-thirds said it was either somewhat negative or negative. Be honest right now. Little ears hear a lot. Little eyes see a lot. I remember very early in my ministry, one Sunday morning, I was cornered by a man. He walked up to me and, and he was irate, he was upset, he was mad. Not over a doctrinal issue, it was over a decision made by the elders. You see, they had decided that starting next month, they were going to make some changes about when the classes and when the worship service would start. They made the changes because it would bless the vast majority of the members. So they had announced that morning there would be a change next month of the times that we met for class and, and worship. He wasn't in the majority. He was in the very small minority. And he was upset, and, and I was trying to defend the elders. I was trying to reason with him, but I wasn't having a lot of success. But the worst thing about it was this. All during the time that he was ranting and raving with this hand... This hand was holding the hand of his six-year-old son. That six-year-old son heard every word. Do we have roasted elders and fried preacher for Sunday lunch? Do we talk down God's church? Do we moan and groan and complain? Do we act like children? Talk God up. What is the image that your child gets from you when you talk about God and God's church? Parents, right now, let me just go right here and talk about it. Right now, you have a golden opportunity. Billy, I'm glad you put this in gold color because it's a golden opportunity. Blaze is coming October the 23rd through the 25th. Have you encouraged your child to attend? Have you encouraged your grandchildren to attend? It's free. F-R-E-E. -E. Can't get cheaper than that. 
It's going to be great. Are we talking up God's church? How do we feel about it? Do we moan and groan and complain? Perception is so important. Perception is so important. In 2001, Diane Granito formed a, uh, a charity. She called it Heart Gallery. What it was, was she approached uh, several photographers and she said, would you take pictures of these older foster children who are so difficult to adopt, you know, people had passed them by and, and they're so hard to get adopted. Would you take pictures of them, you know, as they play, as they eat, as they interact with other kids? Would you professionally take pictures? And then she enlisted the help of an art gallery. And she invited everybody to come to the art gallery. And that art gallery had on display all of those big, giant, professionally done pictures of those hard-to-adopt foster children. Her idea has inspired 120 more art galleries to do the same thing. In some places, the adoption rate after exhibit is more than double the normal rate for adoption for these children. Photography. The word photography in Greek means to write in light. And that's what these photographs do for these hard-to-adopt foster children who are so hard to place with parents. That's because the public perception is that these children have some kind of problems or whatever, and in some cases they might have, but not all cases. But a picture, a picture offered in a different light, even though it does not actually change the way the child is portrayed, it does offer the accurate light of hope. Hope. God the Father adopted us as His children when we obeyed His commands, when we stood in the worst of all possible light. We had no hope. We were sinners. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now our Father, God, He views us in the light of His Son, Jesus. The accurate light of hope. And you can pass that light of hope on to your children and grandchildren. Urge them to trust Jesus with their lives. Assure them with God's promise for their future. A preacher, a few years older than me, named Ray, when he graduated high school, he received a Bible from his dad. Inside that Bible, the dad wrote the following. Nothing could be greater than to have a son, a, a son who loves the Lord and walks with him. Your mother and I have found the Bible to be our dearest treasure. We give it to you and, and doing so can give you nothing greater. Be a student of the Bible and your life will be full of blessing. 
He signed it, we love you, dad and mom. And he referenced Philippians 1 verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, Ray said this just a, a couple years ago. He said, I never did question what dad wrote in my Bible. I, I never questioned it. Because I saw my dad living for Jesus every day of his life. And I saw firsthand the blessings that came on him because of that. And I wanted it too. And that's one of the reasons, he said, I'm a Christian today. Raise dad blessed his son with God's promise for the future and you can do the same thing too. No matter what, no matter what you're going through right now with them, no matter what you're going through yourself, look beyond today. Look to a brighter day. Look into the future and bless them by faith based on the promises of God Assure them that they will grow to be all that God wants them to be. Assure them that God loves them and He will use them for the glory if they will allow Him to. If you want to create an atmosphere of faith for your children and grandchildren, trust God enough to give your children to them and bless them with the promises for their future. The small village of Eagle Lick is in far northern Canada. It's about as far north as you can go and still find people living in a settlement. And over generations, hunters from their village have ventured out in the harsh conditions that often can get down to 20, 30, sometimes 40 degrees below. And they have hunted to store meat for their families. And in, a, in an area where there's very few landmarks, in an area where things constantly change, the snow drifts change from day to day, those people, those hunters could navigate using God's created nature, the stars and, and things like that, to go from where they needed to go to find the animals to hunt to be able to return home safely. And that's been the case for generations until just a few years ago. You see, the older people, they called it following the old paths. That's what they called it, following the old paths. But the younger generation, they didn't want to follow the old paths. They wanted to use technology. So they used technology. And technology is okay, until it stops working. And suddenly, a lot of those young hunters were caught out there in the cold, not knowing how to get back home, and died. And right now, in their village, there's very, 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 very few young people. Their civilization is dying off. 
because they have left the old paths. We've got to get back to the old paths. We've got to get back to God's Word. God's Word can make the difference. Someone once said, the Christian faith is only one generation away from extinction. Now, I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think in God's providence that will ever happen. But I understand what the person said. We need to pass on our faith to our children. Don't let unfaithfulness happen in your family. Model Christianity in front of them daily. Make sure that they see why you believe in God. Live it 24-7. 24-7. Are you a Christian? Have you taken those steps to believe, to repent, to confess, to be baptized? As a Christian, are you living for Him? Can people see, especially your children, can they see Jesus living in your life? Do you need to seek His forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9, the church stands ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. Let's pass on the faith to the next generation. Let's live for Jesus. If you have a need, would you please come forward as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Hear the sweet voice of Jesus say.